The following episode contains major plot points that may spoil movies for some viewers. A spoiler warning is now in effect. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Abby Noro Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. So this is our second time recording the Unpopular Opinions episode. Uh, we did record this once a few weeks ago, but somewhere along the way we lost all the recordings. So hopefully we're going to do this a second time and breeze through it and just get through as much of the episode as we can. Okay, well, let's uh, start off with the first thing we're going to talk about. Alright, so first opinion we have is practical effects are always better and scarier than CGI effects. Yeah, I think so. Especially with a lot of the early stuff that people, you know, when they first started doing practical effects, it really surprised people of how good they made them. Yeah. And I mean, I as an artist, I have to give both practical and CGI the credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when you, when you watch documentaries of how 80s movies were made, and even 70s and 60s were, movies were made back in the day, they didn't have schools like Tom Savini's school of, you know, special effects and practical effects for movies. You had to kind of like learn off of what other people have learned in that field, you know, and... And some of those people have learned from that field. They've actually made their own classes and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think it's really cool that, like, that's how they learned from each other mm-hmm. in terms of how to make a good practical effect work, how to make it look realistic, and the types of tools that they used. And, it you know, it kind of, like, influences each other to, like, okay, well, I, if I can do take the formula that this guy used to make fake blood and just, you know apply this to it will make it look a little bit more real or more gory or more scarier and or if you take this part of the skin and put it on there and make it look like something that's like a flesh or something that's coming out like a cut yeah and i mean those are great and everything Mm -hmm. although both and while both have like i mean i well i guess i shouldn't say both but but in terms of cgi effects since they've i mean Technology has come a long way, yes, but that doesn't mean it has improved to its best potential or its full potential in recent years. And I will use this as an example, but in It Chapter 2, when the kids who played the younger version of the Losers Club, um, they were getting a little older during the production of the second chapter. So to make them look younger, they used CGI effects to try to anti-age them in a way that was really not realistic. And it didn't look that good. Yeah, so I will say it's not all that it's cracked up to be, but same thing can be said about practical effects. Sometimes they don't always look realistic. Sometimes you can tell that a practical effect's fake and whatever, but, you know, it all depends on how you work it. I guess. And it it depends on the certain movies that really need the practical effects or the certain movies that need more of the CGI. Mm -hmm. And that's why one works more than the other and vice versa. Yeah. So that's really... I mean, I appreciate both. I admire both. But at the end of the day, some of them do have their flaws. Mm. But that's all I will say on anything else you want to add then before we move on? Um... Other than my favorite CGI movie is Toy Story, and then my favorite practical effect movie is Poltergeist. I wouldn't say CGI. Well, it was a computer animated CGI movie. Yeah, animated movie. Not see, well, you see, okay, it's hard. To, it's hard to debate with you on this because yes, they used a lot of computer graphics to make those images, but at the same time, I would 
I would categorize it as an animated movie because at the end of the day, it's a cartoon. Well, it's animated, but it's computer animated. But that's hey, just baby. me. That's just how I feel. Hey, baby. Colin's holding Lily, and she's just looking at me like, hi, mommy. <laughs> All right, second opinion I've got, and I will definitely die on this hill, but, um, well, this is not my opinion, but House of a Thousand Corpses is better than Devil's Rejects. Now, the hill I'll die for is, or die on, is Devil's Rejects is better than House of a Thousand Corpses. You've never seen both, have you? No, we've talked about this, and I've never seen both, so I don't really have an opinion on this one. But knowing what you know so far about both movies, how do you feel? Nothing, because I don't know. Have you seen any of Rob Zombie's movies? I have, but not both of those movies. Alright, well, my opinion, I guess, is... House of a Thousand Corpses, yes, it's the movie that started the whole Firefly trilogy. But I do want to say that, like, in my personal opinion, I think Devil's Rejects is a lot better than the first one. (laughs) What are you doing, baby girl? Are you hiding? Mm -hmm. She's hiding under me. She, like, shoves her face into, like, the crook of the arms and in the chest and stuff. She's (laughs) like she's burrowing. But anyway. She's like, I don't like this. (laughs) So, um... What was I saying? Devil's Rejects. I prefer... Fireflies. Whatever. I prefer Devil's Rejects over House of a Thousand Corpses. Because, honestly, not that it's not bad. It's just... You want me to hold her? Yeah. Alright, come here, baby. Not that House of a Thousand Corpses wasn't bad. I just think that it had a lot... I had a, I think it had too many components that were a bit too distracting from the plot points. Like, the major plot points. And at the end of the day, you're really just watching the movie for Captain Spaulding and the Firefly family. You're not really watching it for, like, the Dr. Satan plot point or anything else along the way. It's just, like, you know, Otis and Baby, they make up, like, the main Firefly siblings. And then you've got, like, a couple others roaming around. And some of them don't even, like, carry on into the sequel, which is fine, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know. When I watched the sequel, I'm sorry, Lily, I'm going to put you on the floor, okay? You're okay. Oh, you're okay. Look at this one. Jealous boy. We got both babies on the show today. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but what I like about Devil's Rejects is that you watch it, and if unless you watch the first movie, then you know what the Devil's Rejects are about. I mean, it's the continuation of the story of the Firefly family, but they're on the run from this... Uh, what kind of sheriff would you call him? I know you don't watch the movie, but I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Because he becomes... He starts out the movie, Sheriff Wydell. He starts out this movie hell-bent on getting justice for his brother, who was the sheriff who died in the first movie, mm. and is trying to take down the Firefly family. A vigilante family. cop? He becomes a vigilante cop, but he takes it to such extremes at the end that you start to almost feel bad for the Firefly Firefly family when they're being tortured by him towards the finale. And I'm like, huh. That really takes a huge twist on things. Not just like in terms of like how you watch the movie, but how you feel about it. Hmm. Because I never thought that I would watch a horror movie and then feel bad for the bad guys, which are essentially the Firefly. I don't know why I can't say that word correctly. Fireflies? Because I want to say fire fries. But I'm, I know I'm wrong. I want some fire fries. That sounds good. They sound like, you know those like chips? 
just, Andy's hot fries or something yeah. or, I was like going to say the like Taco Bell's new fire fries. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. That's what I was thinking. But anyway, <laughs> I, I never thought I would watch a movie where I would feel bad and sympathy towards the bad guys of movies. Well, sometimes you know? that happens. Like, it's strange, but that's what, <clears throat> that was like the thing that hit me when I first watched The Devil's Rejects. I was like, oh, shit. I'm actually rooting for them. I didn't think I was actually going to like like that movie, but I did. I thought it was really good, and the soundtrack was really good. That's cool. The finale kind of leaves you off to a weird, like, what happened there. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a cliffhanger of an ending, but then they released the Three from Hell uh, third movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, so I guess they do survive it. <laughs> but anyway, I do think that Devil's Rejects is better than House of Thousand Corpses, so that just that's just my hot take on that opinion. Yeah. Anything so, you want to add before you go into the next one? Either then I never saw them, and I probably never will. Yeah, no. You have to at least give them a try because they're actually pretty good. Maybe I don't know. I'll see. Anyway, plus, next one. Plus, you would oh. like it too because the guy from The Hills Have Eyes is in Devil's Rejects. Also, I I know, but I'm good. You don't like everything that person is on. That's great. <laughs> Whatever. All right. The next opinion we have is the Scream franchise are trash. Or is trash, De- I would say. Depending. It is a big depending matter here. I mean, all right. Here's the thing. First okay. first movie is always good, no matter mm-hmm. what. Because that's what the basis of the whole franchise starts with. Right. It's a classic. And then the second movie, depending. It's always 50-50 whether it's shitty or not. Right. Because of how they go along with the aftermath of the first movie. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's disastrous. It depends on what the movie and what they do in it. Third movie, depending on if the second movie is really, really good, then yes, it deserves a trilogy. And then sometimes after that, they keep going on with the movies because they feel like they can botch out more material so they can be money-grubbing. A.K.A. And, every horror franchise from the 80s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which they were kind of really well known for doing that. I mean, I know. I mean, think about it. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Sleepaway Camp. Um, Halloween did that too. Halloween did that. They, but Although I will say, Halloween sequels are usually pretty. I mean, right up until. The Halloween four, sequels four, are good. Right up until four and five. That's when they started to kind of go... Going to hell because they really couldn't... They had poor writing. Four was fine. Five was okay. And then six was just weird. I will say that those were great story-wise, but the mask in those movies are fucking horrible. Yeah, but we're not talking about those movies. We're getting off topic. I know. I know. I know we digress. But anyway. Overall, how do you feel about the Scream franchise as a whole? I like them. I like them because I feel like they... Whether you like them or not, I think for me... They treated the stories well. I mean, especially with the aftermath of the first Scream and how life went on for Sydney Prescott after the whole situation and kind of the continuing after that with her building her legacy of what happened to her and her family and just the killings and stuff. It, it built a big, big it's, legacy for it's her. It's like one big story arc surrounding Sydney Prescott and her survival It's a stories. tragedy, for sure. It is a tragedy. But the thing is, and I... Here's the thing that I like about the Scream franchise, for one thing, is like like you were saying, it's pretty much Sydney's story, and we're all just watching it, and everybody around her is just living and dying in it. But 
It she's, is sad, yeah. She's a girl who starts out, you know, with a widow or father and her, you know, boyfriend wants to have sex with her and her friends Is that are... the second one? No, it's the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but she starts out with, like, a motherless background story where her mother was killed and, you know, she put the guy away and all that. And, you know... You come to find out that she really, like, grew into this sort of, like, ultimate final girl role. Mm-hmm. Where she overcomes every single movie, and even the fourth one. And she kind of knows after, what, the third or whatever, she knows what to do and what situations happen. And she knows about those movies, even though she didn't want to know, but she knows how. See, I think it's it's interesting but sad, too, that after every single movie, Sydney tries to reclaim her life in a way that separates the life she had in what was Bef- it woodsboro yeah before yeah. and to the life that she has now yeah and i mean the first two movies she spends trying to put that part of her life behind her mm-hmm. and then by movie four she's embracing it and saying well this is my story this is how i survived everything and this is what i'm doing now to change the narrative, like, no, not really change the narrative, but to take back my life as a survivor of all these horrific things that have happened to me over, what, 20 years? hmm So, it's interesting to see that story unfold. What I don't like about it, though, are the endings of the second and third movie, because I thought they were kind of, like, eh. Yeah. Not well written out. Third but and fourth movie? Yeah. Third and fourth were okay. No, second and third were okay. Fourth was great. I, first I was of about all. to say, I remember you telling me that you liked the fourth one. Mm-hmm. So when I was kind of shocked when you were saying the fourth one's eh, I was like, hold on. Well, you know how I feel about remakes. Well, yeah. Remakes. Well, I hate remakes, but I know you like remakes better. I like remakes. I appreciate remakes for mm. what they are. And that is a modern retelling of a story that has been told many, many years ago to a different audience. Like, now, like, like when you watch Friday the 13th, you know, back then. Yeah. It's terrifying for you, right? Mm-hmm. And when it's you're older, like, yeah, it may be terrifying, but for a whole new generation of kids who have come a long way, you know, in terms of watching franchises like, you know, The Conjuring and Saw and Hostel, like, that kind of thing may not even phase them half the time. I hope so you they... gotta you gotta retell a story to an audience that is gonna really grab their attention and that's why I like remakes if they're done correctly. And the way they did Scream Four, it's surrounds this notion that yeah, you're gonna have sequels, you're gonna have trilogies, but with every horror franchise you're bound to have a remake. And that's exactly how they made Scream Four and it was amazing. Well, in like the story sense of it, yes, because in the original, and it had a really great twist. Can I talk? Fine. Because I know in each movie they were kind of like basing the each movie off of the movie series itself. Like in the first movie, they always talk about the first movies, and then in the in the second movie, they talked about how why is a sequel good or bad, or what should happen in the sequel, yeah. and the so on with the third one, and yeah. then fourth one is basically a remake. Yeah, because exactly that, and that's what makes this franchise so interesting is that it, it never mm-hmm. loses its sense of being a meta movie, you yeah. know, because like you said, the first one lays the whole horror movie formula out for you, 
You know, these are the rules in which you must abide by in order to survive a horror movie. And these are the types of characters that you would be playing. And depending on what type of character you are or what type of person you are in life, this is how you would either die or survive in the horror movie. You know, and it's like they break that down at, with each movie. Like the, the second one was about horror movie sequels and whether they're good or bad. The third one was all about trilogies and how the formula for trilogies usually tends to work out. Like, they predicted in the trilogy, the third movie, that Sydney was going to die. Hey, shh. I hear you grumbling down there. Don't even go for a kid. But, like, they broke down the whole purpose of a trilogy and that formula. And then for the remakes, they broke down remakes. Mm-hmm. And how, like, I hear you grumbling. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, we, we live in an apartment building where, like doors open and close and it sets both the dogs off so we're trying to get them to quiet before they actually go off what anyway will you stop grumbling down there i hear you she's right behind you hey get away from that door (laughs) hang on sorry i'm just trying to keep lily away from the door anyway are you looking up rob paulson yeah why because, I don't know, I mean, I want to really see his filmography, because he did so well, like, because I actually just found out that he was in a horror movie back in the early 80s, like a, um, uh, witch, um, witch, how, how do we, folk horror? He was like in a... Folk lore. He was in a, well, folk horror, but yes. He was in a folk horror witch-like movie called Eyes of Fire. And it was, it was good, but it was fucking weird. Really fucking it was weird. really far out there. Yeah. But we're getting off topic yeah. again. Anyway, let's go so, on. My overall opinion for the Scream franchise is that I love it. I've never seen the MTV series yet. I know it's on Netflix. I watched a couple episodes of it. You didn't like it? I did not like it. All it was right. very much like a Gen Z, older millennial version of like, like Scream. Right. It's like these young millennial slash Gen Z type of kids like involved with this like very drama type shit and it's just it seems like something i would play on the cw okay well good to know but i'm pretty sure that that's again how remakes are usually meant is she nomming on something no it's bowie bowie was nomming on her water oh jesus me anyway i think the scream franchise is really good i like it too i do like it too i enjoy the scream franchise more than most 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 franchises but i will say my favorite franchise for me has always been nightmare on elm street good or bad there are some good stories within those things whether they're ridiculous or not i'm not gonna argue with that one i mean it's not that that not that i don't like Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one is fine. I, I like the remake, but I just don't have it in me today to argue with it. Plus, it's not that kind of episode. We've already done that episode before. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to our final opinion, which is my personal opinion. And I am going to... I don't want to say cite this one, but I was listening to an episode of Mostly Horror Movie... What did you just say to me? I was I was like, cite... <laughs> Anyway, I was listening to an episode of Mostly Horror Movie Night podcast, and they were talking to Gory Corey, who, um... What a great name. I think she's really cool. She's no, like, I know that, but I think it's such a funny name, No, Gory but Corey. she's like a, a younger, like, horror movie blogger. That's cool. 
no, she's really cool. And you want to know, I'm glad she said this, because in, in, in case you don't know about these guys who do the Mostly Horror Movie podcast, they, at the end of every episode, they'll either talk with the guests or they'll talk with their friends, and they'll go over, like, a top five roster of a certain category of horror movies. Mm-hmm. So with this episode, they were talking about top five movies that aren't categorized as horrors but should be considered horror. And I'm so happy that she agreed with my personal opinion is that I consider the first Jurassic Park film to be a sci-fi horror movie rather than a sci-fi action because it is terrifying. And not for nothing, but when you read the Jurassic Park book, it is much more brutal and darker than the film. Hmm. Good point. In which one of the kids actually gets killed by one of the dinosaurs in it. All right. Well, so suck it, Colin. Why? why? Because last time we did this recording, you were like, "Well, it's not really a horror movie." It's not really a horror movie. It's not really horror. It's not really horror. I know you don't don't care, care. but I care that it's not a horror movie. I've been watching Jurassic Park since I was six. That's cute. I'm happy that you've enjoyed that movie since you were six. Surprised you weren't even crying in your bed, being like, uh, "I saw a dinosaur. It scared me." No, but like, what? When did the first movie come? Nineteen ninety-three. My God. I so was four. I, I am as old as Jurassic Park. I've been watching that movie since I was six. That movie scared the crap out of me as a kid. Oh, that's adorable. Oh, shut up! <laughs> first of all, you're so cute. <laughs> No, it's scared. Like as a kid watching a movie in which other kids' lives are in are at stake and are in danger, like it really puts your head into that space where it's like, oh shit, what would happen to me if I were in that situation? Like, what if I was like little Tim, and <laughs> little like, Timmy? <laughs> yeah, like if if I was like the Tim character, and you know, I'm sitting in a jeep in the pouring rain, and all of a sudden a T Rex comes busting through the skylight window i'd be jeff goldman's character telling you i told you all i told you did you not listen no boy do i hate being right all the time yeah boy i hate being right all the time (laughs) no but it's like it's a very terrifying concept and then it's like to even imagine a world in which dinosaurs would exist i mean again scenario is totally unlikely but then again maybe not too unlikely because of all the technology that's being developed out there today you Mm. never know we've been able to clone sheep Colin, who's to say we're not able to de- genetically clone dinosaurs? All right. So, all I'm saying is that in a, in a in a less than likely scenario that dinosaurs were to continue to roam the earth today, we would be in some deep shit. But I I as a kid watching it and even like growing up as an adult, I do find that movie completely terrifying because it's like again. How do how do you survive something like that? I mean, you're on a you're on an island where nobody knows your location. You have no way of getting off the island for an extended period of time. All your security systems that are supposed to protect you from these monsters are down, and the dinosaurs are now running around roaming free, freely across the grounds, in which they can like just. Cross your path at one point and fucking kill you. Yeah, they could probably see you and be like, ooh, lunch. Mm. Yeah, so I'm like, I can I have don't... some hors d'oeuvres and a main course. 
Yeah, so I'm like, I don't want to ever be put in that kind of situation. It's terrifying. But I do consider that, you know, because a lot of people consider Alien to be a horror sci-fi movie. And I can see why. But why can't we say the same for Jurassic Park? Well, because it's the same scenarios of, like, dinosaurs roaming the entire landscape of the movie and just terrifying not only humans but dinosaurs themselves and they're fighting. So it's just like... I could see it being horror because it's scary. Plus, but it's again, a typical dinosaur movie. And again, the original source material for the concept of the movie is much more darker and Well, brutal. why couldn't they base it more from the book? What the hell's wrong with them? Well, again... Steven Spielberg, it's him. I know it's Steven Spielberg, but still, mm. you can't take a book that's probably like... Thousand two, pages long, two hundred pages long, and condense it down to two hours. Hold on, is that book really two hundred pages long? I don't know, oh. I don't know. I know Stephen King's books on average range like somewhere between eight hundred to thousand. Yeah, eight to twelve hundred pages, mm-hmm. and then, and a good chunk of that is just descriptions of the scenery. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you could take a little, you could scheme all that, skim all that, take it out, and turn it into. A half an hour, oh, hour and a half movie or two hour movie, he's like, depending. He's like the Bob Ross of word of word pictures. He, all he wants to do is make happy trees, but make them a little scary with a little scary face. He wants to make spooky happy trees. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, that's my opinion on Jurassic Park. I consider it a horror sci-fi. I don't care if you people don't agree with me. Anyway, you're a horrible person. I, you're one of the people that don't agree with it. So, I mean... You suck. You suck. You people. But again, I mean, again, <laughs> it's my it's my personal opinion. That's another hill that I will die on. I don't care if people don't agree with me. It, it's not my opinion to push on to others, but that's just how I feel about Jurassic Park. Yeah, but the hey, other, yeah. The other, I will say the other movies and sequels... I don't really care about. I don't really consider those to be horror sci-fi's. I but find the first those movies one, hilarious because they're so bad. Well, because one of them has fucking Vince Vaughn in it, so what do you expect? The guy and that then, was in Freaky who made out with that teenage boy. I can't believe he <laughs> fucking. I. Oh. It was so funny. I. You, we're you, we're watching it with you a friend. and Krista were just la- me, screaming the, out loud. Me and Carlos. Yeah. Carlos is like, I swear to God, if he's going to kiss that kid, I'm going to fucking yeah. scream. And I'm like, But there's no. you and Krista. When they about to happen, you two just screamed out loud. And then me like, and Carlos, I'm just like, I'm just like, that's hot. I was, I was like, no. Like, Vince Vaughn, get it. <laughs> that was a minor, Colin. What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't kiss him. Vince Vaughn did, that creep. Anyway. Uh, but hey, when in Rome, right? Anyway, <laughs> so that is, I guess, the end of our episode for this week. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to try, because, I mean, we're recording this on the 24th of September, and I'm going to get this uploaded as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, yeah. I'll probably try to record and upload the Libra season, because I know I'm already three days late into the season yeah, already. Yeah, get into the Libras, bro. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll get that up tomorrow, this weekend, and then I know we keep saying this like a broken record. We're going to try to keep a weekly schedule, but with the with our wedding date getting closer and closer. and Yep, we're getting try, married. Trying to get everything, all the little details down to the last, you know, 
Yeah. That's the last second. But I we're know, trying to we're, get everything together before. We're trying to get our ducks in a row. That's what she's trying to say. And yes. so far, we're doing the best we can. Yeah, we're trying to do the best that we can on our end as terms in terms of like getting the podcast going plus the wedding plus working and other aspects of our what lives. If, what if we did a GoFundMe? Oh no, I don't I'm just do I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't think anyone would want to do that anyway. If you guys are big fans of the show, maybe. I mean, like I said, we still have our Patreons. We still have our Patreon uh, tiers you can always subscribe for. We have, um, excuse me. We have our Instagram. We have our Facebook. What else do we got? Um, We're on anywhere we you can find podcasts. Grinder. No. Yeah, you say Grinder every time, and it's not true. We should be on Grinder. No, we should not be on Grinder. All right, fine. We're not on Grinder, but we are on other podcast you can, stables. You can follow me on TikTok at Aaliyah Jones Zero. I think that's my username. You're a zero. Yeah, I think. What a loser! <laughs> Shut up. First of all, I don't care. I've always been a loser. No, you're not. If anyone's been a loser, it's been me. I've been a loser since birth. All right. But I've been posting a lot of different types of content on there lately. Like I've usually been trying to stick with like art stuff, but I have been doing a whole lot of art lately. I am trying to get back into it, especially for the Halloween season. So. If you want to go follow that, you can go find me on TikTok and my personal Instagram. But anyway. Yeah. Also, you guys can DM me if you want no. to. No. Wait. No. Don't you tell them what to do. Anyway. But you guys can come find me on Facebook, Colin Bourne, or uh, my um, my Instagram. It's uh, Air Fry Cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty smart name. <laughs> So, but yes, you can find me on there. You can hit me up. We can talk. Say what's up. Just as a warning, though, his Instagram account has nothing to do with cooking. No, it really Absolutely doesn't. Nothing. I just thought it was a very clever punny name. But don't let the username fool you. It has nothing to do with cooking. Yeah, because my family nicknamed me Cauliflower, and plus I like air frying things. All right. But yes, we that is all the time that we have today. This has been the episode of Happy Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, Aaliyah, you are not a loser. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. You don't know my life. I do know it. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.